Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the auction community studios on this Wednesday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what is up? Oh, not much, Luke. All ready to broadcast, of course. I got a little symphony of destruction going right now, right? Somebody fire that up right now. Can you imagine how cool that is before you actually pop the mouth guard in and walk out into the tunnel and walk down it when you listen to that? I'm just telling you right now. You want to play the game of football? Well, it's kind of cool. Just tap into a little Megadeth symphony of destruction. It'll get you ready. It'll get you right for a football game, Luke. I'm just saying. I, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm saying right there. right there. Just settle down, everybody. Man, this listening to it right now, it does make you feel like that, that you're back in the tunnel, right? Whoa! screaming at your brothers and looking at each other and you can see it man the intensity level inside the tunnel it doesn't get any better ha 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 do you feel that Luke Lipinski so you're doing good I, yeah you know what? <laughs> I'm doing great as a matter of fact thank you I'm ready to broadcast if anybody that wonders the question. what it's like to work with Wolf, you might ask him, hey, Wolf, how you doing? And you might get Megadeth played for two minutes. <laughs> I was getting all fired up for it, man. I don't know. I'm ready to broadcast. Well, how I, about you, Luke? I'm how all, are you I, doing? I feel great. I'm always nervous when you're standing at the start of the show because it usually means some sort of computer issue. Yes. But it feels like that has been resolved. It has been resolved. All right. Next. All right. Well, how about the Phoenix Suns winning last night? <sighs> I tell you, these Sacramento games are stressful and fun at the same time. Yeah. um, How did this game make you feel, actually, watching this game? Stressed out, but also Stressed out, proud. (laughs) You know what? Proud actually came to mind right there. Just watching the Suns go out and compete the way that they did. Proud to be a Suns fan, right? The Kings are a good team. Demonis Sabonis, man. That dude needs to calm down. Dude, what a... Good basketball player, De'Aaron Fox. What I mean, this is they are. This is no joke, legit. These two guys, when you watch them play, how about the fact that? And I'll throw Malik Monk in there as well. May as well. Um, I, I and I don't know how like true this ever ended up being, but remember there was Sabonis for Aiton rumors, and then Sabonis ended up getting traded for Halliburton. I mean, talk about a trade. Yes. I think that was his 18th triple-double last night of the season, if I, if I heard that correctly. For uh, And then, obviously, Halliburton's been great for Indiana. But that's that's a huge win for the Suns to come back and do it the way they did. And you end up losing Bradley Beal pretty early in that game, but you still find a way to win. And now the season series with Sacramento is split, and you're up a game and a half on them in the uh, the playoff race, too. Yeah, you know, I, I love the, the fact they came back in this game once again. You, you said it right there. How they came. They showed resolve. Came back, Basinonians. Showed resolve. They, they showed toughness and were resilient. Isn't that right, Royce O'Neal? Oh, Royce O'Neal. Just resilient. 30 minutes in this game. Didn't this kind of feel like a game 
that I don't want to say they won it because they were at home, but it really felt like being at Footprint Center helped the Suns last night. It was just kind of like watching the game, kind of a reminder of like, it would be cool if you could find a way to get into the top four in the Western Conference before the end of the season and, and have home court advantage in your first series. Because, uh, they, I mean, they were just feeding off the crowd. And Royce O'Neal was feeding off the crowd. And the crowd was feeding off Royce O'Neal. And then you've got Devin Booker, who couldn't make a shot early and then couldn't miss a shot late. Man. And then you've just got that calming influence of KD. Yes, KD and, through and the whole thing. The moment, I didn't put this in my notes, but I, I, I wanted to remember this. Um, because I knew that you, of all people, would appreciate it, Wolf. When they called the foul on KD, and it looked like a clean block... And and Frank Vogel asked KD. I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. He's like, should we challenge this? Yes. And KD's like, no, forget no. it. I fouled him. No, yeah. exactly right. And, then, and you could see it even on the replay. That was, hey, that was a little yeah. time. Yeah. He could feel it. Yep. And he knew it. That's what you, he, you can't mess with that at all. You can't. No, I'm telling you, I didn't foul. I love the fact that he did that as well. Um, I wrote it down in my notes. I, I knew. I yeah, knew you know, it's a, but you know, is, yeah. look, you gotta be, you've got to tell the truth. Don't lie to your coach. Don't lie to your coach. How selfish that is. You know, you know, did I make contact with him or did I not? You know. And did I get the ball first or did I not? You know, the player is the first one to know that. And that's one of the reasons why I totally appreciated what KD did, no doubt. Just like EG, Eric Gordon. Oh. Just <laughs> How big was Eric Gordon? How about that lob from Royce O'Neal to Eric Gordon? I was like, is this Nash Amari? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> that was, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't know Eric Gordon had that kind of hop right there. The two hands <laughs> slammed the... The lob from Royce O'Neal. Um, Did you see his reaction? I was thinking to myself, Royce O'Neal, I'm thinking, you know, I'm just, the guy's in position. I'm going to lob it up there for him. I don't know this guy. (laughs) And Gordon came through. Eric Gordon was huge for the Phoenix Suns last night. Gordon's reaction after that dunk, too. He he kind of walked like, obviously, I do this all the time. And everybody's like, you don't do this all the time. And And then at some point, he just turned and couldn't help it and started smiling because the whole bench was like, where did that come from? Yeah, speaking of where did that come from right there, how about Josh Akogi once again? Yeah. Josh Akogi, the storm, as he's known in the Wolfley compound, the storm that is Josh Akogi. You know, he's just, this is a guy that's a force. Um, what a pleasure it is to watch him go out and compete and play and give significant minutes as well, Basin audience. Josh Akogi, he's a guy that uh, doesn't show up a ton in the box score, yet for some reason shows up when you need him most. He just makes plays. He, he's kind of a, he's, I don't want to call him a glue guy. I really don't. He's a force. That's what he is. And I love watching him play because of how competitive he is and how hard he tries. He's not afraid. He's not out there trying to look cool, my young crunks. He's not. He's out there trying to win. And you can see it. The intensity and the effort from Josh Kogi is totally appreciated. It's going to be interesting now because you are going to have access to Royce O'Neal, Josh Kogi, Thaddeus Young, if you're Frank Vogel, at any point during a game. So, I mean, if you want to get crazy and just throw a bunch of them out there, you've got a pretty good defense on the floor at any given time. Now, obviously, you'd be giving up a lot of scoring if you did that, but I don't know. I just, I mean, looking at the rotation even last night, like, Bull Bull played two minutes. Yeah. Royce O'Neal played 30 minutes. 
And obviously, O'Neal's going to be a part of the playoff rotation. No doubt. Bowl, obviously, you you got to look at more than one game, certainly. Although, <laughs> that's kind of been the story of his career the other way. When he plays well, it's a small sample size. And we'll see. But that was the first game. I know it was Royce O'Neal's second game. But it was the first game where it was like, okay, here he is. He's playing significant minutes. Let's see what he can do. Plus 13, best on the team. Wolf, I know you love that. Big on that. It really is. Just watching them, too, like... The guy had he, he had a block. He had four steals. Four he had steals. Four rebounds. He he had five assists. A couple threes. Nine points. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't lighting it up, but just Royce O'Neal. Um, and what was interesting about it, based on O'Neal's, go back and look at it. We're going to be talking about this as the show unfolds, but. Man, he he didn't get off to a great start. It was unbelievable. I wrote down in my notes, man. You know, hey, wow, a couple of balls, a couple of three balls that barely touched the rim mm-hmm. when you saw him shoot it. He didn't knock it off to a great start. Got better as the game unfolded. It was cool, though, to see him feed off the crowd, like I said, and the crowd kind of feeding off him. And it's like, all right, this this could be a fun addition to this team. We come back. What changes could potentially be coming to the WM Phoenix Open? We're going to ask our own Dan Bickley. He's sticking around. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Monty's back in the house. Suns versus Pistons. Pre-game tonight at 6 on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. All right, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke. Dan Bickley, of course, co-host of Bickley and Murata, is here right now. Um, Bick, first of all, I have all the respect in the world for somebody who gets up at 4 a.m. Yeah. and then sticks around for a little bit for the next show. Well, yeah, well, generally I'm out of here 15 seconds after the show, so I'm stretching deep for you guys. So, Danny, I've got to ask you yeah. this right off the top right now. Are you napping? Do you take a nap every day? I, I try not to be a napper. There's you some do days not want to do it. I, I don't want to do it. No, it, it just kind of it puts you in a parallel reality that doesn't work well for me. It's so difficult. It was the worst thing about yeah. the job. Did mornings, yeah. of course, for a long time. Oh, yeah, you 15 did. 15 years, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing was laying down for two or three hours in the afternoon uh-huh. and having to sleep because you have to stay up and watch these you games. Do. Yeah, there's no well. doubt about so, that. So, man, you don't need much. You need well, five hours. Uh, th- th- listen, there are days when, when yes, when the nap is, is unavoidable. Yeah. But I try to avoid it if I can. Uh, speaking of parallel universes, uh, the WM <laughs> Phoenix Open. <laughs> Good segue there, Luke. <laughs> All right, so you were out there. Mm-hmm. I've. I wasn't there this year. I've heard some, look, we always hear crazy stories. Mm-hmm. I've heard crazier stories this year than typically, but yeah. you were there. Was it really that different? And if so, why? No, not, it, it wasn't that different. It was, um, it was pretty drunk and, and it, it tends to be that way. Uh, what I keep going back to this. And as I said earlier today, I'm going to die on this muddy, wet hill. <laughs> and that is the weather is the primary reason of everything that went down because it did a few different things. It made the footprint of the golf course significantly smaller because now all those side hills and grassy mounds that people used to congregate on, they quit congregating on them because they were slippery Mm. and you'd fall. And so everybody was just milling on the cart path. So if you were trying to get into the tournament or leave the tournament past 18, you just ran into people who were standing there watching golf. And and then as the day went on, you could just feel kind of chaos in developing a little bit. So the weather is issue number one, because if it was dry, you wouldn't see fat shirtless dudes sliding down a mud hill. 
Because nobody tries to slide down a dry, grassy hill, right? That's so, true. They'd be standing on top of the hill yeah, shirtless. And, and, and I think also the weather made it made it a slog for these golfers who didn't know when these rounds rounds were going to get done. Uh, many of them had a, to, to play a, just a ton of golf between Friday and the end of Saturday. So you, now you get dudes who are in their grills while mm. they're also dealing with all these bad conditions. It put them on edge. So I think their reactions were supersized. Um, the, but that's not to absolve the Thunderbirds of the tournament from making some key mistakes. I heard from a lot of people that very early on, because of the crowds of people that lined up to get in, it was just waving people in. So they weren't scanning tickets. So as a result, when things started to get a little wonky, nobody really could put a number on how many people were on the golf course. And that's not a good thing for a lot of reasons. And then when they shut the gates at the front, um, there were a lot of young kids who were very, very unhappy. And I thought it was ridiculous because, I mean, who shows up for Saturday at the Open at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? You got two and a half hours of golf left to watch. Well, you're not there to watch golf at that point, but whatever. So those many of them went around the neighborhood, went down Princess Drive and started climbing through people's backyards to get onto the course. These are things that the Thunderbirds are not going to tolerate. They are going to do something different. Listen, for some, as somebody who's covered this tournament since I moved here in 98, the days that get off the rail rails at the WM Phoenix Open are always the days that lead to growth. I covered this tournament at the turn of the century when there was no stadium at 16, but there was a lot of chaos and anarchy. And back then, I was getting phone calls anonymously from the PGA Tour. They were thinking about pulling the plug on this thing. Mm. That pressure way back then is what prompted the Thunderbirds, a very innovative, smart group of professional people who are very successful, to kind of harness it and build the stadium and because of necessity and danger and existential threats to their viability as a tournament, that's what created this great stadium at 16, out of necessity to solve an issue. So I think they're going to do something. I I really hope they don't overreact, to be honest with you, because to me, uh, I've seen a lot of grandstanding on this. I've seen a lot of people go off on the tournament who I did not see at the tournament mm. and and I again I, I from being there I can tell you rain was their number one issue had there had this been a perfectly chamber of commerce kind of weekend uh, does it get out of control maybe because this tournament does on occasion get out of control on Saturdays it's part of the DNA of the tournament but I don't think it creates the visuals or creates the kind of backlash we're hearing right now so it was really interesting because the Thunderbirds executive director Chance Cosby mm-hmm. actually said we're going to make changes we have a very unique culture at our events I don't think any of us deemed it would grow to this level of attendance and excitement Nothing is off the table. Yeah. What? What? I mean, Dan. Well, what, what do you think? They well, if might nothing do? is off the table, you could cons- you could think of um, limiting alcohol sales. You could ban alcohol sales. I would highly recommend against that because the, what we have at this tournament is is ours and it's very special. People have tried to replicate it and imitate it across the country at other PGA tour stops, and when they do, it's almost farcical. Nobody can because it's unique to us and it's electric and it's organic. And like I said, it occasionally gets off the rails and that's kind of what it is um i i I think maybe other things they're looking at i I think for a while now they've been pondering with the idea that okay if you look around where the tournament is they used to have a ton of open fields where they could put cars now a lot of those plots of land have been developed by businesses so now the parking gets pretty remote 
now. And for, for a lot of ticket holders, I, I think they've been toying with the idea, what if we severely limited capped attendance and made this more about a premium experience for lesser amounts of people. Would that work for us? Mm. I don't know. Then you got to think about their philanthropic mission. Part of the good of this tournament is it creates incredible amounts of money for charity and it's it's a big time priority for them. And here's the thing too. In years past, a tournament like this one that, that the WM Phoenix Open just had would cause all sorts of dissension and, and anger in the PGA Tour headquarters in Florida. Now, the PGA is fighting its own existential battle against Live Golf, and and the television ratings for the WM Phoenix Open were sensational. Third most watched program on Saturday, Live Golf off in Vegas with a much bigger, better field, finished 51st. In, in the time slot for ratings. So yeah. it gave the PGA Tour a much-needed flex. Like, okay, you know, you can do what you want, Live Golf, but we still have these thriving entities. So this is kind of the real balancing act here. This this craziness we saw on Saturday, this drunken idiocy, people shirtless, it makes for great television. You yeah. can't argue that. <laughs> it does. It, 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 you it know does. what, Danny, it just, it's, for me right now as a former professional athlete, it's it reeks of fandom mm-hmm. is what it is. And it drives me crazy mm-hmm. that all of a sudden this is okay to act this way mm-hmm. in public. But you know, this, for me, I, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. But there's, listen, there's nothing different fundamentally about the way these fans were acting. And, and which also, in, in my weird way of thinking, you can almost frame it as a victory for the tournament. And let me explain why. When you've got a field that lacked more star power than I, this is the, the weakest field in terms of star power that I can remember. You had 20 plus guys from the Corn Fairy tour uh, lower level tour who were in the field and then you had this terrible weather and yet none of it affected the attendance you can't name one other non-major on the pga tour that can survive a diminished field with a a, a weather that isn't fit for ducks sorry aaron maloney it, wrong kind Michael. of ducks right exactly <laughs> and still a, a draw that kind of crowd yeah. so it's also a tribute to the fact that it's it's this is something that's that that's important to the community i get what you're saying man if you're a professional athlete you don't need somebody i'm wondering about the golfers have you have well, you talked to any of these golfers well actually... listen there were there were there were three of them who 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 made their feelings known. One of them, Zach Johnson, uh, admitted he was just burnt out emotionally from the weather and the chore of playing 54 holes. He was the most vocal one. Yeah, there are some guys who didn't like it. The, the booing gets insane uh, all over the course, particularly at 16. If you don't hit a great shot, if you hit a green in regulation, but you're thirty feet from the pin, thirty feet from the pin, you're you're getting booed by twenty thousand people. I mean, that is but but 20, most drunk people. Yes, but happen? most golfers have come to understand it's not personal, it's not lunacy, it's theater. It's just it's a way that this mob says we're going to be the ones that determine the rules of engagement, and we're here to entertain ourselves. That's what the vibe is, and it's nonsensical and it's silly. And I'm sure, as a former athlete, it is offensive. Yeah, but it's it's what makes the tournament special to a lot of people. Uh, that's so we'll key. see where they're going. But there's got to be a way to do it responsibly, correct? Well, without I, losing the personality, though, I don't want to lose but the personality. Where, where where do you draw that line? You uh, know, I mean, it, I it's know how do you draw that line? Yeah. Uh, 
again, I, I do think the weather is really kind of the 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 big part of this, and and I hope that I, I'm sure they are going to make corrections. And Chance Cosby is a great dude. He's got golf in his blood. His whole family has golf backgrounds. He's very sensitive to the pro golfer. And their needs, mm. I've seen any number of days in the past where guys have come off steaming about something. Yeah. And he'll walk with them to their car, settle them down, take their, duly noted, we'll change that. Look, the, the 16th hole, they made changes going into this year, two years ago, where where bottles were being thrown, plastic bottles. Yeah. And it became sort of a thing, and, and that became unbecoming. I, I would suggest <laughs> that what I saw two years ago at the tournament, where where they're littering the green just because somebody takes off his shirt, that's even more egregious than some of the stuff we saw this past weekend. It's just that you had golfers popping off, and you had these just really grotesque-looking videos of drunk kids acting stupid. Yeah, that the national media has gotten a hold of now. Bingo. Vic, so, thanks a lot, yeah, man. You we got appreciate it. it. You Thank got you, it, guys. Man. Don't you got go it. take a nap. <laughs> All right. Uh, have you subscribed to the Wolf and Luke Show podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Wolf and Luke Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. When we come back, pitchers and catchers report today for the D-backs. So how long did it take Tori Lovello and the rest of the team to get over that World Series loss? We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I want to know who my representative here tonight. Hey, everybody, it's Bernsey. Pitchers and catchers have reported for the Diamondbacks, and the National League champions are out for blood, or at least to get back to the World Series. What should our expectations be of the current club? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, 2 to 6 on Arizona Sports. Louisiana. <laughs> All right, well, I'm looking at this calendar right here, okay? It has nothing listed. Yeah. February 1st through the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> but on February 14th, it has a circle and it says pitchers and catchers first workout. Oh my goodness. Here we are. Here we go. Pitchers and catchers reporting today. I wonder what that first meeting is like. I always wondered what that is like, right? You meet, don't you? I mean, you don't just go ahead, hey, get ready. We're going to go out. Yeah. And, you know, no, of course. You've got <laughs> to have a meeting, right, Tori? That that would be the first thing I'd ask, Tori. You're always having a meeting, right? You're meeting with these guys in, in, in the beginning of the day, correct? You are having a meeting. It's just to me, you always start with a team meeting. I realize it's baseball, but I'm just, you know, spring training, and here it is, pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, are you going to stand up there and actually have, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to focus on. I realize you don't have your entire team there yet, but you have a meeting, right, Tori? So you have those like those little stickers everybody wears. It's like, hi, my name is Eduardo. <laughs> yeah, but, but you stand up and you say, this is what I want you to focus on. How are you doing? Greet everybody. Here we go. We're get, you make a statement, right, Tori? I, I don't know. See, that does kind of seem like something Tory would do. That is the difference in, in the game of football. I mean, you, you start your day with a team meeting. Okay, everybody is in the room and you're going to have a team meeting. That is the one thing you know. You're going to have a team meeting. So, you know, it's a little bit different in the game of baseball, isn't well, it? Well, whatever they do, it's Because here, they man. don't meet as much. No. They don't. No, but, I mean, it's just pitchers and catchers there. Um I mean, you'd think you'd want to introduce everybody that's new. There's some new guys. There. Yeah. Brandon Fott is there. Pitchers and catchers. Here we right. go. Well, if it's officially the start of the 2024 version of You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. It's, what, a, it's fantastic. what a beautiful thing. This is so good. For your right yeah. 
That's right, Brandon Fodd, number four. Number four in this rotation. And I'm loving the fact that he's number four in this rotation. He doesn't have to be number three in this rotation. One of Isn't my that favorite right, things Eduardo? about this offseason. He, he gets all that experience yes. in the highest leverage yes. situations of the postseason. And who knows, Wolf, he may pitch like a number two starter this year. But by getting Eduardo Rodriguez, you took pressure off of Brandon Fott and you just allow him to continue to develop. If he pitches the way he did by the end of last year and he's your number four starter, <laughs> oh, you're in a good spot. It really is. It's so fascinating to think about, right? Because I think typically when we think of, boy, the Diamondbacks are going to be better. They're, they're going to be better. Now, again, getting to the World Series is something altogether different. They've made additions to this team right now where they are a better team. There's no denying that. They've made additions to this roster. But what about just the improvement of some of these guys on the roster? And when you think of that, you think of Brandon Fought. Yeah, Fought for sure. And, you know, also last year, as, as great as it was, it stung at the end, even though it was, you know, you, you exceeded, I would say, everybody's expectations getting to the World Series, even the most optimist, optimistic Diamondbacks fans. But, but it, I'm sure it stung at the end. Tori Lovello was on with Bickley and Murata this morning, and they asked him how long it took to get over that. I, I did. You know what? I, I just hunkered down. I did not go camping. I did not suck my thumb, but I had plenty of ice cream. Um, you know, I, it's probably the, the world's weirdest answer, but I, I'm a weird person anyways, and uh, I just was telling the world how I felt at that, at that moment. It was um, it was a really, really sad moment for me in this organization and I just wanted the baseball community to know that, that we, we were hurting and as they were too. So um, I, I probably cycled through it about two weeks later when I started to realize exactly what we accomplished and that's when things start to slow down for me anyways. It's just you're in the grind, you're in it every single day and, and you just you, you can't process things the, the right way. Your mind is in one spot and that's to win a baseball game today. So probably took me two weeks. I got a ton of ice cream sent to me. I got ice cream sent from people that I don't even know. I don't even know how they got my home address, but I had so much chocolate and peanut butter ice cream. Tori's going to come back looking totally different after you know, ice cream for three months. You know, it's it's interesting just listening to that because at the end of a football season, for the most part, right? It's so it was so brutal. You you were hurting so badly. Yeah, your body by the end of the season, it was so difficult that for the first, I want to say maybe week to ten days. After the season, you do absolutely nothing. So many guys, I'm talking about guys who are workaholics, would do absolutely nothing for about 10 days after it, just sitting around eating ice cream. Well, Makes a lot of sense. Two things I really remember from that run uh, last season. Luis Gonzalez, when we had him on, saying a couple times, like, these guys don't even realize how tired they're going to be just mentally when this ends. Oh, mental, I know. The second it ends. And then the other thing is, I remember, what did the season ended on a Wednesday? We had Zach Gallon on the next day, didn't we? It was either Thursday or Friday. We had him on within like 24, 48 hours. Remember, yeah. he called in. Well, he's a co-host of the show. That's true. He had, he had hosting duties that he had neglected for two weeks. Um, so he, he called in. Remember, I mean, he basically ended the season almost throwing a no-hitter, but then they lost. And just the way he was like, I can't even wrap my head around the way the season just ended. Yes, I know. It was so difficult for him right now. And I realize, again, it's a completely different sport 
But the way that you would do that, just unwind after, I, I can't even imagine where you've got um, all of the emotion behind this 162-game schedule that they play in. The expectations were low, and then all of a sudden, you know, Torrey had higher expectations, and now all of a sudden they're in the postseason, and, and now into the World Series. The the Just listening to Buck Showalter talk about how much of a mental drag the game of baseball can actually be. It's yeah. so difficult. Football's more physical, of course, right? But baseball is is mental. And at that point in time, man, I can see Tori two weeks walking around in shorts and a t-shirt doing well, nothing. Well, because every... Including shaving his beard. <laughs> It'd be great if he came back with just a giant beard this year. Um, you know, the, the that run last year... You, you get through Milwaukee, okay. I don't think that was a shock, but it did. A lot of people were like, oh, wait, okay, the Diamondbacks are good. And then to sweep the Dodgers the way they did, it was like, okay, hold on. And then to I, what they had to put into even just coming back against Philadelphia, let alone beating I, them. I know. And, I mean, the World Series felt winnable there, at least through the first two games, even like through the first three games. And then that game on Halloween, although they came back on that game on Halloween, even though they were way down, yeah, I don't know. It just it never felt like the season was over until the last pitch, and it was actually over. And that's... You could not count that team out. You couldn't. You just could not do it. And I hope that is still there this year. Yes. Where it's like, hey, we're up by four on the D-backs. Doesn't matter because they're coming back. Uh, when we come back, Draymond Green, <laughs> he keeps talking. He called out Yusuf Nurkic again, and now he's also calling out Kevin Durant. We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bah. Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us Thursday morning. Full recap of Monty Williams' return visit to where he used to coach starting at 6 o'clock. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right. It is important to note at the start of this conversation that the Suns and Warriors don't have any more games scheduled against each other this year, Wolf. But if they do happen to play in the playoffs, it's going to be fireworks. It already was going to be fireworks. Based on what we saw, oh my goodness, the last time they played, mm-hmm. just recently, based on what we saw, are you kidding me right now? The even, intensity level was off the chart. You know, last last year, too, the the game with uh, with Booker and Clay Thompson kind of getting in. Remember Clay got tossed? Yeah, Clay never gets tossed. That's right. Um, you know, the year that's before, right. they were supposed to meet at some point in the playoffs, and I think even Golden State, when they were just pummeling Dallas, was like, wasn't this supposed to be the Suns? What happened? Um, all right, so... Draymond Green, he started all this two two games against the Suns ago with his actions against Nurk, right? That's right. And then he got suspended indefinitely, and a bunch of people, I mean, it wasn't just Kevin Durant, but a bunch of people around basketball were like, this dude's got to get help, something's wrong. This isn't even Draymond Green from a couple years ago. Um, and uh, <laughs> Kevin Durant, among other things, said he hopes that he, quote, gets the help that he needs, unquote, and... Uh, following incident after incident, right? So that was that was KD. That was right after the game. Um, and, he, and he, you know, later said, look, I didn't mean that in, like, a bad way. I meant, like, yeah. you know, KD knows Draymond Green. They were teammates together for a couple championships. So so Draymond comes back from suspension finally, and, and he's, like, he basically credited KD on his podcast. He was like, look, I was upset when I first heard it. And then, here, I'll just read you the quote. He said, as opposed to listening to how these people are saying things, let's listen to what they're saying. I started going into this deep dive, and then it's like, wait a minute. What do you want the world to know about me? So I sat with myself and thought about that. 
and he went on and on. But remember, Draymond, yeah. when he came back, this was only like a month ago, was like, I'm going to be a changed man. Yeah, I'm going to be a changed man. And you know what? You, you have to walk through it. You have to experience it, right? There are so many people that have the best laid plans, of course, and they make up decisions and things are going to do and they're determined to do it. And yet, you know what? You've got to walk through it. You've got to experience it. And that changes everything. And it certainly changed it for Draymond. Well, so that was that was the uh, the quick run through the backstory. Now, Draymond Green on his podcast yesterday. Um, I don't know. It doesn't really sound like a changed man, but you guys can make your own decisions. This is what he said about uh, Nurkic and Durant. Just to go question my character, I thought was whack. But like guys, guys are making a habit out of that. Um, him and Kevin questioned my character before, you know, as if you go question somebody's character about a basketball game as if it's not real life, as if that don't affect people's pockets. Like, I think all of it was really cowardly, if you want my honest opinion. Yeah, I did what I did. I take my stuff on the chin. We spoke about that. I still stand on that. I meant every word I said about it. But if you want to know the truth about that, I think all of it was cowardly. I think you know, you start going to question somebody's character in front of the whole world, it's whack. So I think they all whack, both of them. Okay. Where do you begin on that one right there? First of all, I, I need to say this based on Reigns. I, I used to love and respect Raymond Green. He has turned into a cheap shot artist, and he just doubled down on it right there once again. Um, yeah, you know, I, the only thing worse than going out and challenging somebody is pretending like you're going out there and not challenging, and not challenging them and punching them in the face. Do you know what I mean? Oh, look. Oh, I just accidentally did this. Yeah. You know what? You I know just what? Wave if you're going to if you're gonna do it, just do it. Yeah. If, if you're going to do it, just do it. Don't act like you're out there and you're trying to compete. Don't do that. That's what a cheap shot does. And this is what a cheap shot sounds like as well after he does it. It's, I just, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind of, how this would play in other sports, right? And I, it's not really playing very well in basketball either because Kevin Durant and Yusuf Nurkic were not the only guys questioning Draymond Green after that game. In fact, I would say they were they were in the position most justifiably to question what was up with him because they had just played him, sure. and those comments were right after the game, but it was all across basketball. I mean, it was former players. It was current players. It was everybody on social media because it seemed like Draymond Green had crossed a line even for him. And, and it wasn't just that incident. That was just kind of like, all right, here we go. This is the, the, We've all had enough. Um, that cut that we just played, though, him and Nurk just don't like each other. Like, I have other quotes here I can play about him and Nurk, and, that, and that's, you know, whatever that is, what it is. But when he brings Durant into it, well, I don't know. Yeah, they're two physical guys. They're two, Nurk and Draymond, two physical guys. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to get after it, and you're going to get a little furrowed brow, I'm sure. But when he brings Durant into it, it just feels like it's it, it goes to it's a different personal. level. Yeah. It's personal with Durant. When you couple that with, with how he acted towards Durant at the end of the game, where he's just he's basically <laughs> mugging him, and then when he doesn't get the ball and get a shot off in six-tenths of a second, he's screaming at him and... To Durant's credit, he just kind of walked away and shook his head. But, I mean, these guys are teammates. They won titles together. There was talk about friction back then. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of shoot it down. And Draymond has those comments a month ago, like, oh, no, I, you know, I appreciate what he did. And nothing's changed, at, at least outwardly, in a game between KD and Draymond Green, except Draymond 
seemed upset at him, and now he clearly is upset now, at him. You can see it, though. They, I mean, those those two guys, oil and water, well, Draymond Green, so and how different. they compete yeah. and how they go about their business, they are, that's oil and water right there. You can see it. He, he, this was a situation where, remember back when Katie was playing with the Warriors and they were winning championships, you knew. The word was out that they, they really didn't get along out that well. Yeah. They did not. Even back then. I'm amazed, and I have been for a while, that Steph gets along with Draymond so well, that those two have coexisted so well. Because, again, Draymond Green sucker punched his own teammate at the start of last season. That, to me, is where it was like, okay, this guy can be annoying, but he's doing it intentionally. And so there is a method to what he's doing, even though it is irritating. But when you, you sucker punch your own teammate... And and the teammate's the one that gets <laughs> ejected from the team. That's where it's like you've kind of jumped the shark, uh, at least for me. And apparently he jumped the shark um, for everybody at this point. But I, I was surprised to hear him bring Durant back into it. Here's some of the stuff he said uh, about Nurkic, too. Following that game, the little guy goes in the media. And the little guy goes in the media and he says, I take my words back. He doesn't deserve another chance. It's only a matter of time before he hits someone else. And quite frankly, I would love to know, why is it only a matter of time before I hit someone else? Because I've destroyed him? Because what in that game that happened with me would make you say something like that other than getting embarrassed because you're just not good enough? That's Nurkic. Yeah. It's almost you know, seven foot two ninety. Yeah. You know, again, um look, this is this is Draymond Green and this is his competitiveness coming out. There's no doubt about that. And yet so much of the time, I will tell you, Basinonians, so much of the time pride has so much to do with this. And I know this personally because this is what I have struggled with my whole life for the most part, being the poor kid in the rich town, growing up at the bottom of the hill when everyone who had money was at the top of the hill, if you know what I mean. And when I get attacked, it's it's about pride. That's where I get attacked, being the son of a truck driver and growing up on a dead-end street. And now all of a sudden that ship is is buried in my heart. And, you know, it's something that I can relate to right here. The competitiveness of Draymond Green, it comes out. And it comes out in the form of a, of a prideful, prideful man. And it's not the good kind of pride. And you can hear it right now when he's talking about this. It isn't. It's one of the reasons why he gets in so much trouble. Well, Because he thinks he's got to be that guy. And he doesn't have to be that guy to go out and be tough. Why do you have to get out there and start talking trash to anybody? Why? Or cheap-shotting people. Why? You're going to take pride in that? It's a different platform now, too. I mean, maybe... Maybe Draymond shouldn't have his own podcast. I don't know. I like. <laughs> yeah, somebody should. Draymond, can I talk to you? What? Why are you doing this podcast thing? Well, because what he just said right there. Okay, let, let's say maybe he says that on the court to somebody, or maybe he says it to Nurkic during the game. What you think? I'm going to mess up again. I'm going to hit somebody. I'm going to get in trouble. Okay. Well, it, it stays between them for the most part. He just made this very public. And don't we all think Draymond's going to do something here again at some point? Yes. It's not based on what he did against the Suns. It's based on his entire career. And he, what will make him do it is pride. He, he, and he keeps, he'll keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And he doesn't seem to know where the line is. And, you know, look, all, more power to him if he has now found that line. But it's kind of hard to believe it based on what we're seeing and hearing. And if he crosses the line again, 
it's not going to be two or three guys on the court that heard him vow he'll never do it. He just put this podcast out there. It, like The second Draymond Green gets himself suspended again, how many people are going to send that clip that we just played to him on Instagram? And he's just going to get a string of, of his own words in his own voice saying that it was ridiculous to question that he would get himself in trouble again. The track record indicates he's going to get himself in trouble again. Uh, when we come back, how crucial is it for the Suns to go into the All-Star break with another win tonight? We're going to ask the broadcaster, Kevin Ray. He'll join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.